Howdy guys, I'm your host Aiden Matthews and welcome to episode 5 of Aiden on Anchor, the show where I talk about my life stories as well as my own personal journey with this cool little app called Anchor. Hope you all are doing well. It is November 2nd, 2017. I'm recording this at about 6.28 a.m. So this is a very early, early, early recording of this. Uh, but I figured, hey, I have some time. Today's going to be a really long day. Why not go ahead and record this episode early and, you know, have some great content for you guys. So I hope that'll all work out in the end. But what I wanted to talk about for this first segment is just one of my favorite consoles of all time, the Nintendo GameCube. I love the GameCube. It is such a great console. There's just so many games on it. And the older I get, the more the GameCube seems to rise up in opinion. At least with myself, anyway. Which is weird, because, like, a lot of consoles that I get, they start out pretty high, and then gradually over time, my opinion of them gets worse and worse. A great example of that would be, like, the Wii, or the Wii U, where when I first got those systems, very high up on them. Like, these are great, these are awesome. And, you know, the Wii and the Wii U are still good, but they're nowhere near as awesome as I thought I was when I just got it. The GameCube, on the other hand, nah. Nah. The GameCube is still way high up there. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the first main one is just the controller. Talk about a great controller. I think it's literally perfect for 3D games as a whole. 2D games, not as much. I mean, the D-pad on there is a little crap. But for 3D games, I don't think it gets much better. The design of the system, too, is also kind of cool. I mean, it's quirky, right? It, it pretty much looks like a lunchbox, complete with its own goofy handle. But it adds a lot of charm to the GameCube that I think a lot of the 6th generation consoles were missing. You know? The PS2 looks kind of bland. The Xbox looks kind of bland. They're just two big black boxes. You put them side by side, you might not even be able to tell them apart. Aside from, well, Xboxes being enormous. But the GameCube? The GameCube stands out in a league of its own. You got a bunch of crazy colors for it, like purple, silver, black. It has this cube shape and the handle. It just stands out on its own, and I appreciate that. But what would a console be without its games? And the GameCube has a ton of great titles. Metroid Prime, Wind Waker, Mario Sunshine, Super Smash Bros. Melee, Mario Kart Double Dash... And a bunch of weird stuff as well. Games like Luigi's Mansion, Pikmin, Pikmin 2, Animal Crossing. Like, these are games that have held up for years and years and years. And some of them are even claimed to be the best in their series as a whole. You know? There's a lot of opinion going out there that Wind Waker is one of the best Zeldas. There's a lot of opinion out there that Metroid Prime is one of the best Metroids. People have been asking for a Super Mario Sunshine remake. Melee is still played at competitive tournaments to this day. Like, this library still holds up. Mario Kart Double Dash, people want to see a remake of that. Like, there are so many awesome games on the GameCube. And there's a lot of hidden stuff as well. There's a lot of the Namco collections which you can play. A lot of fighting games. I remember Link being in Soul Calibur. That was pretty cool. And we even had a good bit of third-party support here. A lot of people think that, like, 
once the N64 rolled around, third-party support kind of, like, dwindled. And while it is true for the N64 era that we didn't get a lot of great third-party games, it's a bit different with the GameCube. In fact, it arguably had a, the best port of Resident Evil 4 on it, which is crazy to think about now, having a Resident Evil game on the GameCube, but yeah. I mean, like, this thing was not a slouch. In terms of power, it was slightly stronger than the PS2, weaker than the Xbox. I just don't get why the GameCube didn't do well in its time. But hey, at the very least, it's doing amazing today. People seem to love this system. And I do too. But that'll be the end of this segment. I will see you guys in the next one. Peace. Howdy guys, I'm your host Aiden Matthews, and welcome to segment number two for episode five of Aiden on Anchor. Hope you all are doing well. It's about 6.34 now. I haven't even got dressed at the moment, so I'm using my covers to sort of hold my lapel mic. So, the audio sounds weird, that's why. Because I'm not using a shirt to clip onto it like I normally would. But I'm not going to lie, when I woke up an hour ago, the number one thing on my mind was a mineral ID test. A.K.A. I woke up terrified about rocks. Have I reached a low point in my life when I wake up being terrified about rocks? Like, if you would have told me that a year ago, I would not have believed you. But, like, now that I'm taking geology in college, like, this is an actual fear of mine, right? You think, oh, how hard can it be? All you gotta do is identify rocks. I mean, like, sounds fairly easy. You just pick the color or whatever. Here's the thing. A lot of these rocks look the same. Same color, same sort of shape. You know, you really only have a few defining characteristics, like, some rocks taste like salt. Others, you can pour acid on them. Some of them, you can scratch on a plate. You know? But on some of them, like, the differences are so tiny. Holy cow. Some of them are slightly harder than another one. Or some of them give off a slightly darker streak when you rub them up against something. I feel like there's so much room for error. And it's not a thing where, like, oh, you just have to identify, like, five rocks or something. We're talking, like, upwards of 20. 20 rocks. Where we have multiples that look the same. Sure, there'll be a few that'll be really easy to tell. There's a couple of rocks that are literally just, like, sheets. They look like paper sheets. Those'll be easy. And some of them are just so bizarre enough that you're going to immediately be able to tell. Like, there's one that kind of looks, uh diamond-shaped, you know? One that kind of looks like a rupee from Zelda. Like, that one will be really easy to tell. But the rest of them, man, like, I don't know. Either I'm going to get lucky and just nail it, or I'm going to get unlucky and spend an ungodly amount of time looking at rocks and staring at them and being like, What are you? What are you, rock? I don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I woke up afraid of today. I'm going to have to take that mineral ID test at about, uh, let's see, 2.30 today? 2.30 p.m. So it's still a long way to go. I might uh, print off a little study guide before I leave for school and then just start staring at rocks in my other classes like music history and the like. But hey, 
Even if I don't pay attention to other classes, at least I'll pass geology, right? Who cares if I don't understand what's going on in music history? So long as I get that rock test out of the way, I'll be in much better shape. But yeah, college is like this a lot. It's very much a day-by-day -day basis. I assess my threats from all my classes and be like, what's the one thing I have to focus on today? Nine times out of ten, it's usually geology, but hey, what are you going to do? But yeah, I think that'll do it for this segment. My question to you guys is, what was the hardest class you've had to take in school? Or, if you're still in school, what's the hardest class you're taking now? This can be from high school, middle school, college, whatever. But I'd love to know. And if you leave a response via call-in, I will put you on the show. But if you want, you can comment either somewhere on social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. And uh, I'll be sure to respond and look at it. So that should be pretty cool. But yeah, that'll do it for this segment. I will see you guys in the next one. Peace. Howdy guys, I'm your host Aiden Matthews and welcome back to Aiden on Anchor. This is segment number three for episode five and what I want to talk about for this particular segment is what I saw on Twitter today. It's absolutely incredible, but first I need to do a little bit of build up. So in case you didn't know, me and my friend Zack Snyder do a podcast on YouTube called Another YouTube Podcast. We talk about the platform in little details. I think I've mentioned that on here before. Uh, but recently, we did a little mini-episode, or extra-sode, if you will, talking about how Casey Neistat's demonetization affects small creators. It was a good good episode. I'd recommend you guys watching it on YouTube or something like that. But anyway, Zach decided to post it onto a video platform site called BitChute, which we also spent an episode kind of talking about in the YouTube alternative one. Uh, but he posted it on BitChute, and we don't hear anything for a while. Eh, normal stuff. But then I look on Twitter today, and I see on BitChute's official Twitter account, a Twitter account that has about 7,000 followers, mind you, they freaking posted our video on Twitter and shouted out Zach. And I'm like, whoa. That's absolutely crazy. We just got featured by BitChute's Twitter. That's insane. I mean, I had talked about, like, the good of the platform. Zach had talked about the good of the platform. There's so much great stuff on there. And to have one of our podcast episodes, not even an official one, but just a mini one, be featured by the official BitChute Twitter account, that's a big moment. That's a big moment. That's a big moment for this podcast. That's a big moment for me and Zach as creators. And it's going to be super fun uh, continuing it now that we have... A couple more eyes on us than what we're used to seeing. So I think that's absolutely great. But yeah, that just blew my mind. I got shouted out by the official BitChute Twitter account. Like, how is that possible? I mean, YouTube certainly doesn't care about a whole lot of what we do. And I get it, like, BitChute's a smaller platform, whatever. But, like, that's big news, right? Especially if BitChute, like, gets bigger and starts growing more, like... Zach is setting himself in a great position here, and I think it's setting our podcast in a great position here. A position that's going to make me favor BitChute a little bit more than Vidme. Now that I know we have more eyes looking that direction. 
I mean, Venmi's bigger, sure, but, like, Bishu just pointed their social media cannon at us. So that makes things a lot more interesting on my end. Um, but I wanted to end this segment mainly telling you all, if you are a content creator and you make videos, do not just stick strictly on YouTube, right? You need to be getting your stuff out to more people, and you need to be thinking long-term. So if you just post your videos on YouTube now, I'd recommend uh, looking at other platforms like BitChute, like Vidme, Dailymotion, and the like, and seeing if you can get your videos up on there. And a lot of these sites make it really easy to take just your YouTube vids and put it on there. And for me, like the benefits outweigh the, the risk here. Especially if you're new, I think you should automatically be doing this because it's going to get more eyes on your content. And I think more people are going to be able to see you just simply because you're tapping into a bunch of different audiences. Now, obviously, the benefits of this are not as big if you're, like, bigger. And by bigger, I mean, like, 100,000 or so. But even channels like that, I know, still use Vidme and BitChute just in case YouTube breaks down or something bad happens. They want to be prepared for the future. So looking at other video platform sites uh, can be helpful on that front as well. But I'm just giving a little short version of what I did in the another YouTube podcast episode. But honestly, I, I just wanted to tell that story because I thought it was really cool. And it was something I figured I could sort of turn into and give you guys who are listening to this Anchor podcast a little bit of value. Put your stuff on more than one platform. That's the main thing here. You know, if you do podcasts, get it on plenty of podcast sites. If you do vlogs, get it on a ton of freaking video platforms if you write a blog get it on other blog sites like getting more people to see your stuff is a good thing and it puts you in a long-term mindset so i just thought i'd mention that but anyway that will do it for this segment uh and i'll see you guys in the next one peace howdy guys i'm your host aiden matthews and welcome back to aiden on anchor this is segment number four aka the final segment of episode 5, so I hope you've been enjoying this episode because we're going to end it off after this, but what I wanted to talk about in this final segment was my review of the Aristocats movie from Walt Disney Pictures. This is a little animated film about cats, particularly the white cat named Duchess and her kittens. And their travels along with this orange cat named Thomas O'Malley, the alley cat. But what I think about the movie, well, not a big fan of this one. This movie kind of has a sketchy art style. Not sketchy as in like poor quality, but I mean like pencil sketches. Like, you can tell that they were colored in later. Which isn't a bad thing. It gives the movie a unique look. But it's just not my personal favorite style for Disney. The soundtrack, though, in this movie is actually pretty good for the most part. Unlike Lady and the Tramp, this movie is kind of in love with its music. And is sort of the defining feature here. And I will say a lot of the songs here are pretty good. From Thomas O'Malley's song to the ever-popular Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. The soundtrack's freaking great. The characters, uh, they're a little boring. The kittens are your standard, oh, here's the mean girl, here's the mean boy, and then here's the fat one. The mom is your typical mom, and Thomas O'Malley is just your typical alley cat. I mean, like, uh, 
They don't even have that much good interaction off each other. There isn't a whole lot of deep conversation here. It just feels very boring. And the side characters aren't much better. We have two geese that show up who are gossipy, I guess. We have a bunch of jazz cats that show up for that one song and then at the end. Two of my favorite side characters actually were the dogs. Lafayette and Napoleon. Who I, I got a good kick out of them. And then the mouse character that lives in the actual house I think was great. Even our villain, though, isn't that wonderful. He's just a butler. He's an evil butler who gets sick of cats and pretty much only wants to get rid of them so that when the old woman of the house dies, he can get the money in the will. Because apparently she's leaving him to her cats. I mean, like, it's just bizarre and dumb. And really, he ends up not being much of a threat. He's very much just sort of this doofy kind of comedic villain, which is okay. But just not something that was super interesting. The weird thing I found out about this movie is it feels almost sort of like a worse version of 101 Dalmatians. Because you got to have a lot of similar elements here. Uh, the main one being the location and sort of uh, Paris and the like. There's a couple of other things, too. Instead of cats, it's dogs, but they have a similar dynamic. Instead of an evil butler, we have an evil friend named Corella DeVille. You got a lot of comedy. You got a lot of songs here. But ultimately, like, I find 101 Dalmatians to be the much better film. Because this one just doesn't have a lot going on. And frankly, it's a little too long for its own good as well. So there isn't much I can appreciate about it. It's also just a very forgettable film. You can tell throughout this review that I was struggling to even, like, come up with character names and details. A lot of that is because you just sort of forget about it after your first viewing. And for an animated film by Disney to do that, it's not a great sign. But yeah, my final verdict for the Aristocats is it's a pretty skippable movie. I would not recommend watching it. If you have it, you can. And there isn't anything, like, inherently wrong with it. It's just not a movie that I find very interesting. But yeah, that was my review. And that will be the end of episode 5 of this podcast. Be sure to answer the question of the day that I posed in segment number 2. What's the hardest class you are taking or have taken? Whether you're from high school or college, I don't care. Be sure to give me feedback on this episode, either on Anchor. You can leave a call-in. You can leave a comment somewhere on the internet. It'll be great. But yeah, that'll be the end of this episode. I've been your host, Aiden Matthews, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Aiden on Anchor. Bye!